Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. What is up, plant people? Hey, it's time once more for the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, and general coolness of some very wonderful plant people to figure out why they do what they do and what keeps them coming back for more. As always, I'm your host and your humble guide in this journey through the plant sciences, Vikram Baliga, and I'm so happy to be with you today. I think I said that out of order. It's weird because uh, some of my friends who podcast record, like have a stock opening section that they'd used to use for everything, and I record it new every time because I just choose chaos and violence in every part of my life. Hey, so today is a replay episode of one of my very favorite episodes of all time, of all time. And I know we're not supposed to have favorites. These are supposed to be like our children where we treat them all the same, and and I do love all of these episodes. But I've been thinking a lot about storytelling. I'm, I'm thinking of some other different kinds of content that I'm working on and some other projects I'm working on. And so storytelling and how to tell a good story has been on my mind. And so I went back to this episode. It was episode 17 from the way back when. This was like, uh, I want to say like May of 2020 in the bad times, in the land before time, which was a sad movie. And and Abby Morrison, who is um, one of my genuinely favorite humans on the planet, one of my favorite humans on the planet, talked a lot about storytelling. She's a writer, she is a communicator, and she's just genuinely a kind and wonderful person. And and I, I listened back to this episode actually last week. It just just sort of my brain was like, hey, we should listen to this. This will be a good way to pass the time. And I and I sort of fell in love with this episode all over again. So as we're getting into the holidays and I'm just sort of putting out content that I like that's a little bit different um, through the end of the year, I really wanted y'all to hear this episode again. So I'm not going to belabor this too much more. Go find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as Plantropology or some version thereof. I am on the TikTok machine as the Plant Prof. I'm on YouTube as the Plant Prof. And oh, the other thing, the other thing, I have started a Discord server for all things Plantropology and Plant Prof and, and other stuff. And that link is in the description of this episode. So if you'd like to be on the Discord server, it's free. I would love for you to be a part of it. And uh, uh, yeah, that's all. Let's hear from Abby, who, if you haven't heard her before, you're really going to like. All right. Well, we are alive. Um, Abby, how are you? I'm doing really well. I'm doing super. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Are you uh, holding up okay in the middle of all the craziness right now? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty introverted normally, so so that's very fortunate. I can work from home, so that's very lucky in a lot of ways. So yeah, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. That is good. Well, and and so I don't. We're recording on what April seventh, and this will come out sometime in May. So who knows what the world will look like in four or five weeks when this comes out? But uh, you know, hopefully, future us is are are not in. Um, quarantine anymore and we're able to go out in the world and do things but we'll see i've i've been okay i think uh i'm i'm probably a little more extroverted so i'm only losing my mind a little bit but it's okay i've just been putting googly eyes on my plants and it's okay i love that i've been following that on twitter and i am very engaged as (laughs) an audience (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear it. It's just to give me someone to talk to in the greenhouse. So, um, Abby, tell me about what you do, um, who you work for, what your job is, all that fun stuff. Sure. So I work for a company called Access. Um, we're the Alliance of Crop Soil and Environmental Science Societies, which is why we have an acronym. And uh, <laughs> we're the management uh, company for the American Society of Agronomy, Crop Science Society of America, and Soil Science Society of America. So we handle all of their meetings, certifications, publications, really just help them uh, do what they need to do to function as societies. I work in the publications department where I help authors get through the peer review system, and I also run our podcast, Field Lab Earth. Which I love, by the way. I, I, re- I really enjoy it. Great. Um, so how how did y'all, as a, I guess as an organization and as the um, uh, Tri-Societies or whatever, get into podcasting? Where did that um, whole idea come from? Yeah, so this was actually pretty neat. Uh, when I first started there in early 2017, I had this awesome boss, uh, Brett Holty. But unfortunately, like two months after I started, he actually took another job. But he was super cool. And he was like, what do you want to do that I can try to set up for you like before I leave on my way out? Is there anything you want to try? And I was like, well, uh, I've been doing some proofing on some of our magazines and and going into this job I ha- I do not come from an ag or science background at all and I was reading his articles and I was like man this stuff is so cool but when I try to explain my job people are like what is agronomy <laughs> and I'm like mm-hmm. did you eat today and they're like yeah and I'm like cool <laughs> agronomy probably helps that to happen um but I just uh I do a lot of creative writing I love authors I love writers and I was like I would love to be able to just help people promote what they're doing because it's so cool and nobody knows that this exists um so I asked if I could do a podcast and they were like sure and I was like cool I have no idea how to do any of this and they're like (laughs) cool just try it see what happens um great great place to work in in that they're so willing to be like just try it and uh and then things kind of just went from there that's really cool. And it, it's so cool to work for an organization. And, and, and my university has been largely the same way, except you have one up on me. You actually asked before you did it. I was just like, well, I'm going for it and maybe they won't fire me, but, um, which they didn't. So yeah, good on them, I guess. But no, that's really cool to be part of an organization that is, um, supportive of innovation and supportive of new ideas and new ways to present information. Because if we're being honest, and I think that our listeners uh, probably expect that at this point, but academia and agriculture and some of the sciences are maybe not the first to innovate in terms of outreach and that kind of stuff. Now, we innovate, I think, in the subject matter pretty well, and we're you know trying new things. But when it comes to taking our information and throwing it out in the public, uh, that's maybe not at the forefront a lot. So it's really cool being a part of an organization that'll let you do that. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so cool. Uh, I love it. That's great. So you said that you don't come from a uh, science background or an agricultural background and um, that, you know, some of your experiences in creative writing. What has it been like um, going from that to having to read the boring, ridiculous articles that we academics write? Um, so it, it's pretty interesting because, um, so I don't do a lot of reading unless it's for, uh, 
the the podcast if I see like a, t- a title that catches my attention. So pro tip, like try to find a title that the average person <laughs> can read uh, would maybe be uh, a little tidbit for anyone who's interested. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting because there are some really cool correlations between just story at large and science. Um, which I think are really interesting. And it's also interesting um, just seeing the differences in like the publishing worlds between uh, creative and academic is really interesting. So those those have been some cool, cool things to just experience, I guess. Yeah. Can you, I mean, do you mind touching on that a little bit? Just some of the differences you've seen between creative and, and academic? Because, you know, personally, I if if I had my way, I would write more creatively all the time, you know? And, and I think that's, that ekes into my, um, academic writing sometimes. And then, you know, reviewer two is always mad at me. They're like, you don't need all these extra words. Stop it with the extra words. So in, in the world of publishing, what, what are some of those differences that you've seen? Um, I mean, I think primarily just the experience of, of submitting things I think would be very different. So, um, for me, uh, as a creative writer, if there are certain people that it's like, if you submit to us once and we don't like it, like never again, don't, don't oh, even wow. try. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. So, so it's, it's pretty extreme. Um, whereas like in my job, a lot of times it's like, Hey, just, you know, don't, don't do that again. You know, like, like remember to add line numbers or, you know, I work, I work very much on the, uh, kind of the front end, just making sure that it's formatted correctly for review. Um, so it's interesting to to see some of those differences or um, and and I guess uh, speaking as an analogy, maybe um, if you were submitting like a creative like a book, you would have like your abstract and in your like within your cover letter to convince an agent to represent you. And if they don't like it, they're like, never again. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So it's very different um, <laughs> as far as like just getting that entry level thing. Um, there's, you know, there's gatekeepers in, in both worlds. Um, sure. The, yeah. You know, there's more uh, academic rigor, obviously, in, in academic publishing than there is in in uh, creative publishing. They're not going to nail you on every scientific fact in creative writing. Um, but yeah, it's it's very different, but it's it's fun to see. That That is pretty cool. So as we were um, discussing some of, you know, discussing having this interview and all of that over the past couple of days, um, you self-identify as a plant murderer. And um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, which I think we all are. And I think that that's, that's interesting that you say that because people, people say it to me all the time. Like, Oh, I kill a bunch of plants. I'm like, do you have any idea how many plants we kill (laughs) in plant research? Like millions of plants. So, um, okay. So you've covered a wide variety of, of topics and, Mm -hmm. uh, a ton of different things, you know, again, everything from, um, 350 years of soil phosphorus to plant blindness, which by the way, I loved the plant blindness episodes. Oh, that one was so fun. So fascinating. So fascinating. So, um, what, like what so far has been your favorite thing that you've learned? It may be hard to nail that down, but maybe what are a couple of like really interesting tidbits you've picked up? Oh man, that, that is a very hard question. Yeah, I'm um, sure. <laughs> now I feel like I should pull up the website. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking like scientific facts, I think the plant blindness one was was a really fun one. Um, I I think 
something that's been uh, really fun to learn is just all of the different areas that this that uh, these kinds of science touch and how interconnected they are. Because um, I'll have frequently episodes that you'd think would be completely unrelated. And you're like, oh, yeah, we talked about that on a different episode. Or, um, yeah, it just uh, seeing the different places that people do their work is another is another cool thing. Because speaking to your point about, you know, kind of maybe that stereotype of ag and, and that kind of field not not being great at at communicating some of those things um that was one of the biggest surprises when i started at my job was just like oh we're learning about soil on the moon and like nobody yeah. knows that yeah. we're doing this <laughs> like and and then you know i meet people uh you know i virtually meet people i guess sure. um <laughs> but they're like yeah i had to like portage all of my stuff to live for like weeks and also all of this scientific communication like and equipment stuff uh for miles and miles into the <laughs> woods <laughs> and i got eaten alive or i'm off in a jungle somewhere or i'm just like all these different places and you would never know or like the cool technology we had a guy who is um He's like, I'm learning how to phenotype seeds with basically like do-it-yourself equipment and open source coding so that you don't have to sit there with the tweezers and count seeds for forever. And it's just stuff you would never expect. Uh, and it's so cool. And they're the nicest, coolest people. They're they're so humble and cool um, and funny. They're just awesome people to work with. I don't know if that answers your question well or not. But. No, it, it really does. It really does. And and so one of the reasons I even got into doing this podcast thing was for the same reason you just said is that, you know, my, my background's a little bit different. I am an academic, but I was an extension for a while. And so, I, you know, that experience gave me this passion for putting the scientific message out to the community uh, and doing it in a way that is packaged appropriately for general audiences, you know, whoever's listening to it. But what I started to find and, and through my own experience and through listening to a couple of different podcasts um, about scientists and about science, I love, I, I nerd out on science podcasts, like hardcore. Uh, there's one called ologies. That was a big like inspiration oh, for sure. me getting into this. And um, but yeah, the stories are so interesting and like we maybe don't do a good job and, and of, of, I don't know what the best way to say this is maybe, maybe humanizing our research and humanizing our, it, our, our fields. There's so much jargon and there's so much, you know, real serious, hard science that we do that you start throwing jargon at the average person and they're like, oh, okay, I don't, I, I'm bored. I don't care. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear about this. So, um, you know, something we, we talked about covering, which I think I really like to talk about, you know, maybe for most of the rest of the time we have is, um, so as someone coming into this as a, a non-scientist, non-ag person, plant murderer, um, I'm going to keep calling you that. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, it's okay. fair. It's deserved. <laughs> um, what is your perspective on telling this story as not someone necessarily from the outside, but someone who's maybe not doing the actual science work? How do you tell that story? How should we as scientists be telling that story? Sure. Uh, so the first one that I that you kind of mentioned already, um, just as maybe unrelated to the general vast story of piecing this together 
is jargon, and I would say it. What's what's nice being a non-expert in any of these things um, is that I I always joke and tell people that I'm like the low bar they have to duck under to communicate their <laughs> science. Um, I, I, I would disagree with you, but anyway, go on. I mean, like I'm smart, but I don't know any of this stuff, and sure, so sure. so that's um, you know you also uh, were on our show, and you know I sent out that worksheet, and I'm like explain words to me that you use that I don't understand. And so it's really, it's it's kind of cool being a non-expert to kind of come in and be like, okay, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Please explain this in a more simple way. And helping people um, find ways to do that is, is really fun for me. Um, as a creative writer, um, using analogies or metaphors is always really fun to help come up with those. And I have to give credit to my coworker, Susan Fisk. She does a ton of training. She, um, she's the head of our science, uh, science communications department at my work. And she's always like, jargon, 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 (laughs) get rid of it. (laughs) Um, because it really is like you are communicating with another person. And I think, you know, it's not communicating in the sense of like a bullhorn where you're just shouting out what you're doing. You have to communicate at the level of your audience. And so if they don't understand what you're talking about in these jargon terms, they're not going to be able to pick up that passion that you have for it because it's just there's this veil of like not un- not being able to understand even if they want to. And they want to. Like people love hearing about what people are passionate about. That's part of why I wanted to do the show is because I just love it and I and people love to hear it. Um, so I think that's kind of uh, maybe the first thing that I would I would look at. Um, but then there so I guess if you were trying to trying to find a way to communicate your science as a story, um, story has a lot of structure built into it. And I think people don't think that it does. And that's a lie. <laughs> um I've I've recently been doing a deep dive on plot structure. I I adore it. I that that's my like nerd out area. Um, yeah. But uh, I took a I took a, a retreat class kind of thing last summer um, with a guy named Tim Storm. He's a wonderful editor. If any creative writers out there are looking, um, and he kind of boils down story to like stasis and then a change and then a new normal and that's like scientific progress in a nutshell right like Mm -hmm. you have a problem and then you address it and then you have like a new state where you've advanced and grown as a person um so it's it's cool to to just see those those um similarities and maybe be able to use those to give you a lot of focus um would be like another tip is just trying to figure out like what is what is the through line of what you're trying to say and then all all the stuff on the sides all the jargon um even sometimes like uh getting really nitty-gritty about like methods that people are like I don't know what that method means um like that kind of thing or equations that, um you know, that kind of thing, being able to really condense that into like one thing is, is really helpful. Yeah. And that's, and and you may or may not realize this, but I think the, what everything you just said about, um, how part of your job and, and let me back up a little bit. This is, this was going to be a long rambling thing. Let me back up a little bit. Um, I really appreciated you sending me that 
um, you know, question sheet before, because uh, I, I mentioned that I, I'm very much a fly by the seat of my pants kind of human. And so like when we're doing this, I, I blank out for days and then have to come back. But um, it forced me, you know, even though I just wrote this paper and just have done this research and it's fresh in my mind, it forced me to critically reevaluate the way that I presented it. And I, I don't know if you know how important that is for an academic, because I think we've all had that teacher and that college professor, whoever, who is, you know, maybe the smartest human in the world, but then they try to convey that information to you. And it's like, I, you know, even at the PhD level, when I've been taking courses at the PhD level, I've had professors tell me things and I'm like, listen, I've been doing this for 10 years and I have no idea what you just said to me. Right. And so I think the, the service that you're providing through the education kind of back to us, even just through what you're doing is so important. And I don't know if you've thought of it in those terms, but from where I sit, that is like something that we need so badly in the sciences is people that are willing to take um, everything you just said, uh, story structure, everything from, um, you know, what you mentioned of, of the the three parts of a story, the three basic parts of a story and teach us that. Because those are the things we need to learn as scientists and as communicators and all of that. So I think that's really cool. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, here's a here's a mind blowing thing. First of all, my heart just like fluttered a little bit of like teach people story, and I was like, oh my gosh, I would love that. <laughs> so just had like a little nerd out moment. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, mind mind blower here is that that worksheet that I sent. I mean pretty much follows the scientific method. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what we structure our show yeah. off of. Yeah, and yeah. so it's it's funny that you should say like, oh, I had to completely like reevaluate it when it is in fact, like so much of it just follows very basic scientific method. Oh, yeah. No, and it really did. And, and thinking back over it, no, it's like, okay, what was your introduction? What was the point? You know, what were your methods in a practical way? But I think we get so lost in the data and the writing and the whole process that we forget that the scientific method exists for a reason. And that reason is to, and this is going to maybe sound a little more um, philosophical than a lot of people look at it, but I think the scientific method is us trying to tell the story of the universe, right? Yeah. It's, it's oh, gosh, yeah. how do we take the complexity that is everything around us and distill it into knowledge and but we don't look at it that way. We look at it as experiments and data and all those things. But there's I, for me, there's this grander um, mission that we have to have. And, and I think it's important that we keep those things in mind. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a book recommendation here. I'm actually okay. reading this book. It's called Wired for Story. Um, and I think the author's name is Lisa Cron, uh, I'll, I'll send you a link, uh, okay. which doesn't help the listener, but look it up. Right. Wired, wired for story. They can, It'll be they in the notes somewhere. They're fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's actually this lady is like a neuroscientist um, and she applies neuroscience to like storytelling structure and what you need to tell a good story. And the first part of her book is like, we tell stories because we need to learn how to live on earth. And like, yeah. she talks about, you know, like, Hey, uh, Billy 
stepped on a fire once and got really hurt. <laughs> like moral, don't don't step on a fire. Don't and like, do that's the thing. A, yeah, don't do the thing, or or do do the thing. Right. Um, you know, like Harry added these nutrients to his plants and they lived better or yielded more. Like that's that's the story of your science. And that's why we tell stories is to learn things and explore things. Um, she talks a lot about um, like we tell stories to to learn also. Um, I've experienced that myself of just like, hey, what do I think about this thing? Well, let me write about it and then I'll figure it out as I go along. And um, that's that is also sciences. Yeah. What do I know about this? How can I add to that? And And then how do I pass that knowledge on to others? And storytelling is... Like the oldest method to tell other people stuff that you know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And uh, yeah, no. And that would be. I wish they would. Uh, okay. So you you probably have learned this by now, but I'm like a big like sci-fi and fantasy nerd. I like yeah. really enjoy that stuff. I wish they would make every academic read Tolkien and dissect it. Because that is like if you look at story structure and the hero's journey or the the monomyth or whatever you want to call it, for me, uh, I've read that the whole Lord of the Rings series and all the nerdy side things a lot. <laughs> um, um, but it does such a good job of teach. It, it taught me how to tell the story. I read, mm-hmm. I think I read Lord of the Rings the first time when I was like 11 years old or something. And, I, you know, I didn't understand most of what I was reading, but it started to teach me how to communicate about life in a lot of ways. And, you know, again, I'm a super nerd about that stuff, but again, I I think that we should work more of that into our academic curriculum. I think we need to know that. Yeah. I, I think every human should read Tolkien regardless (laughs) of if they are an academic or not. Yes. Personally speaking. Agreed. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think, um, it, and, it, and it makes things more fun, too, because, right, like, I think science gets this bad rap of, like, being boring or, like, being, like, all, all scientists are in lab coats. Please don't cut that out of context. <laughs> as a quote. That's going to be the um, that's gonna be the episode title. Um, Abby Morrison, all scientists it. are in lab coats. <laughs> yep. Classic me. Um, but, I mean, but that's, like, part of why we do the show is to be like, no, like, they're out there, like, in, in the field, in the woods, in the... Like, like in a lagoon, just hanging out with oysters, like they're doing what they do, and and so I think it is. It is finding ways to make it fun. I I think it's great. We had a paper just come in the other day, and it literally had a quote from Princess Bride in the title, and I was immediately like, I please accept this so I can interview this person. <laughs> that is fantastic. It was amazing, and I was just like, I want more stuff like that, and I think you know, especially as we move into more you know, open access things like that's something I think about a lot is like, you know, if your paper is open access, you know, with the theory of like everyone should have access to the science, Mm -hmm. are you making it accessible through the way that you're writing about it? And is it is it something that, you know, um, obviously the whole open access uh, discussion has been on the table for for years and years and years and will continue for years and years, I'm sure. But, you know, if you are writing an open access paper, are you writing it on a level that's going to be 
helpful to the people who are actually trying to read it? Or or do we need to look at the way that we teach academics to write mm -hmm. to be more appropriate to an open access setting? You know, because if it's not just going to be read by 20 people who all have 14 PhDs in this field, <laughs> like, do, you know, yeah. you should probably make it a little bit easier or you're still only going to have those 20 people read it anyway because they're the only people who can understand it. So... Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, no, absolutely. And then in, you know, and then also maybe uh, adding extension style publications in with like in the same. So we take these things and we divide them out, right? And it's like, you've got extension over here and you've got like, uh, I'm not going to say academia is separate, but we have like all our journal articles over here. And, you know, it's like extension has their own journals and uh, other uh, organizations have their own and that's fine. But gosh, wouldn't it be nice to have some of that in the same place? So, you know, you get a, um, you know, article about whatever, water conservation or whatever that has all the, the jargon. But then in the sidebar, it's like, well, here's three extension articles that talk about it. Here's how you can actually take this information and apply it to your life. I think that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been working at Access for uh, about three years now, and I literally just learned what extension was officially. Right. <laughs> um, sure. Like when I was doing the plant blindness episode, which was mm -hmm. like uh, two months ago or something like that, because I just it's it's a weird ecosystem to to navigate all of the different pieces in ag, but it's really fun to to learn about all of them, and and I would love if they came together. Um, more often so that it wouldn't take me three years to to learn that yeah but I, also i just didn't ask sometimes when it came up because i didn't want to look dumb so that's also partly on me oh that that i they'll put that on my tombstone he didn't ask because he didn't want to look dumb i i'm i'm so guilty of that all the time i'm yeah. like oh no i should know this so i'm just gonna pretend like i do yeah, that's, or just that's the human experience i think i think it is just <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's really funny. But no, I I I kind of love where this conversation has gone, just because that it, it science communication lives so close to my heart because that is what I feel um, we should be doing. And and maybe it's just because of my background, maybe it's because of the way I've come into all this. But um, I, I think that the future of academia is going to have to change. I, I think that the way that we've been operating, and I've said this before on the podcast, and I've said this to people who gave me dirty looks for saying it, and I don't care because it's the truth. The way that we have been operating for the past, I don't know, maybe maybe since the uh, uh, beginnings of academia, but definitely for the past like 30, 40 years of, I don't know, circling the wagons, so to speak, and, and the way that... Um, you know, and I, I know that you maybe can't say this as someone who works for a publishing company, but I sure can. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, you know, we take we take the information and it's not that we hide it intentionally, but we gatekeep it, like you said earlier, in a lot of ways. And I think the future of academia in so many ways has to be opening the gates, you know, uh, and, and letting the people who paid for the research understand the research. Um, and so that, you know, it's that's not a small task. And I think we're all, you know, kind of working in our own ways to address that. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, all of, all of my opinions are my own. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> like, just so you know, uh, if anyone's mad, just be mad at me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's so fun about it too, is it's like you care about the research that you do 
And I, I know it's hard for me when I care about things, but can't get other people to care about them. Sure. And yeah. it's not to say that I want everybody that I meet to become a creative writer. Like, that's fine. Um, less competition for me. <laughs> but I mean, but I think being able to communicate the stuff that you care about in a way that people can see that it's important and has value is huge. And that's part of why we started the podcast. It's part of why I love podcasts. I love listening to yours and all of the other ones that we just goof off with. On I know, Twitter. I know. <laughs> But it it yeah, it's it's important to be able to know how to tell other people about the things that you love. It's super important. For sure. And and actually so that that leads me to something I kind of wanted to touch on. Um we uh, uh, I hate Twitter. And and I will stand by that till the day I die. I hate Twitter. However, um I feel like we have this weird little uh, pod science podcast tribe that we found on Twitter, and like it, they're just the coolest people. Yeah, like, just the coolest people. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they're great. I I enjoy that immensely. I I uh, personally am not on Twitter or Facebook anymore. Like I just got mm-hmm. off because I and I was like, this just stresses me out. That's <laughs> and wise, I don't want to I be think. here. <laughs> and so I got off. And like now that I'm on it for my job, I'm like, yeah, but like. I love seeing what these people are up to and it's, it's, it's a blast. I really like it. Yeah. So that's, that's been fun just getting to make some, um, you know, Twitter friends and just, I don't know, uh, you know, and, and we cover, I think uh, podcast Twitter is really, if you're, if you're a podcaster out there and you're not part of the podcast Twitter community, I think you should be because it's really strong and it's really helpful and I think that like everyone I've interacted with um, through Facebook and Instagram too, but really on Twitter primarily, if I've had questions or if I've had issues with the podcast and I throw something out there, gosh, people are so cool about it being like, well, here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't work. Uh, let me send you some resources. Let me help. And and it's just been really a cool thing. Yeah, it's a cool space for sure. Uh, especially since I have no idea what I'm doing. I just make this up <laughs> as I go. But um, Also the human experience. <laughs> Yeah, my tombstone's getting pretty long. I don't. We're gonna have to get a big one. Um, so we'll kind of start um, um, working on wrapping up a little bit. But um, so one thing I ask all my guests, or try to remember to ask all my guests. There's a couple I've forgotten because you know. But um, so if if there was, and, and we've talked about a lot of things, but if there was like one thing. Um, whether it be about communicating science or just about telling a good story in general. Actually, I like that. If there was one thing you could tell the people listening or a couple of things about telling a good story, what would that be? Oh, man, that is the hardest question. It's so hard. I'm sorry. I've ever gotten in my life. Um, maybe not in my life, I guess. <laughs> it's a little extreme. It's up there, though, right? Uh, yeah, it's up there. Um. Oh, man, I guess I guess one that pertains to my my personal life as well as podcasting life um, would be to pay attention to structure um, because that really helps you to figure out like what needs to be in the story and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just be like being aware of kind of the um a lot of people will call it like the story spine 
Um, so really, what is that like causal chain from start to finish that you want to explore? And then if anything doesn't fit on that spine or add to it in some way or connected to it, um, then you don't really need to have it there. Um, that helps me a lot with podcast editing, too, because like, there are so many cool rabbit trails that we go off on. And I'm just like, to to borrow like the writing expression of kill your darlings, which is just like, <laughs> it may be the best thing you've ever written, but if it doesn't work, like you have to get rid of it and you yeah. have to be like ruthless about it. Um, so I guess that that's really helpful, though, to to really focus your message and, and understand what you need to keep in there or not um, would be paying attention to structure, I guess. OK, that's great advice. I mean, that's that's great advice as we write dissertations and papers and, and, and stories and everything else is make sure it makes sense and tells the story you want to tell. I, I love it. I think it's yeah. great. But so, also get rid of jargon. It, <laughs> Sneaking yeah. that on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's dial back the jargon, folks. You know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to try to make a jargon joke, and, and maybe I just don't know enough of it to throw one out there. So we're just going to move on. Um, so where – I mean, you said that you're, you're mostly not doing the social media, which I think maybe makes you one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. Um, <laughs> Where where do we find you? Uh, tell us about just some of the web presence and the social media presence for uh, Field Lab Earth and the other things you do. Yeah. Um, so I, um, for the podcast, we are at Field Lab Earth on Twitter. Um, the societies also have, um, the three societies I mentioned earlier, they also have Twitter accounts. Um, and our websites are agronomy.org, crops.org, and soils.org. Nice and easy. Um, we have our like Libsyn homepage. You can find us on pretty much any of your classic podcast catcher kind of thing that you want to be on aggregator, anything like that. Um, well, Abby, I think I could talk to you for hours about stories, but, um, thanks so much for being on. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been such a blast. Very cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening as always. Um, I don't know what today is, but I'm sure voiceover Vikram will have told you what day it is and what's going on in the world if you you know, haven't been paying attention. But y'all are the best. Thanks for listening. And we will see y'all next time. You know, interviewer Vikram was right. Telling you what day it is is one of voiceover Vikram's strong suits. <laughs> y'all, thanks so much for listening. Um, I hope we inspired you to tell a good story, whether it's a story of yourself or the story of the universe. Just be telling good stories. As always, you can find us on the social medias anywhere you look, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Search for the word anthropology with a PL slapped on the front and look for the white tree. Thanks, as always, for the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for supporting me and supporting this show. Leave us a review on Podchaser or iTunes and send me a screenshot and I'll send you some stickers and a thank you note. And get yourself ready for the trailer of Jolly Green Scientist, which is going to start right meow. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. 
Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up to the minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on Twitter, official underscore podfix on Instagram, at podfix network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.